come enter boldly. And we do stand for you, Lord. There's no one like you. The kids can be released. Jesus, you are Lord. You get all the glory. All of creation cries out holy. You are worthy, Father. You are worthy of all the praise. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Our hearts cry out for your longing for your presence. Holy. Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. Hallelujah. That he would take residence in us. See, Jesus said, the angel said to Mary that you have a son and he'll be, God be with you. Emmanuel, God be with us. But when he went to the cross, he became God that is within us. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He said, come to me all you are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Jesus is our love. The lover of our soul. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. We thank you for tonight. Our hearts cry out for you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. And your wave of your love for this place. but the blood of Jesus can wash you. The blood of Jesus cries out. How do you define an undefinable? How do you magnify who's someone who's already magnified? Every time we magnify the Lord, He magnifies Himself in us. Jesus, we love you. Amen. You be seated. You be seated. Let there be light. Praise you. Could have kept going all night like that. What do you reckon? You know, what could man say when God hasn't already said they? Hallelujah. Welcome. Are the kids gone? Yep. They'll be back soon. <laughs> um, it's interesting um, that when you, every week you come up and to share the word and you say, Lord, you know, what do you want to say? And then, when by rights we really start off what we want to say and then by the time we get up here he's speaking because <laughs> there's no point in hearing what i've got to say we need to hear what the lord has to say my words might encourage you my words might challenge you but only jesus words will change you and we need his word more than ever amen who agrees with that <laughs> we can't just taste the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good See, a lot of people taste and forget about what they just tasted because they wash it down with rubbish garbage the world but God says taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever his mercies renew every morning and um, today I want to share a little bit about the destiny in the desert or 
for lack of a better word, what happens when we get into the desert or in the wilderness in our experience in our life, in our work, our walk with the Lord? Sometimes we get into a place where, where, where we've done everything right and you know, we, we've prayed and we've given and we've been faithful and everything, but it seems like we're never leaving the desert. Who's ever felt like that? Who's ever felt like you've done everything you know what to do is right, but it seems like the enemy still got a hold of you or, or God is still trying to teach you something? And the question is, and I'm 20 years in the Lord, 21 years this year, and, and far from having it worked out, so I'm not trying to say that, but I've seen people abort their journey to their destination because of the wilderness. That when God is about to do something, they let go and they stop, or they turn their back. And the Bible talks about enduring to the end. Now, we can argue about what that means later, but even our walk sometimes is, mate, this is hard. I know you've been told, just come to Jesus, put $2.50 in the bucket, and you're going to be blessed, drop a Mercedes, and not going to have a problem in the world. But the reality is that we live in a fallen world. God will sustain us, and God wants to bless us, and God is merciful, and God has blessed us more than what we've given Him. Come on. I've been blessed so much more than what I've given because of His mercy and grace. And sometimes when we get into this place of the desert, and then Sometimes we don't know whether it's God chasing us or the devil hammering us. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to recognize, you know, why does something happen? We believed, we prayed, we fasted, and it didn't come to pass. We've experienced this just this week with our brother. But we need to stay firm in what God has promised us, no matter the outcome. See, we don't know the beginning from the end. He does. We don't know why some things don't go to plan and some things do go to plan and some people get healed, some people don't get healed. We can argue the theology of it, but we all got to know, but he's still the healer. doesn't change nothing. And Moses here, you know the story, and I don't want to go preach too long because we've got people coming upstairs using the room upstairs so the kids will be down here soon. But I just want to touch on a few things. I want to encourage you today that no matter the trials or the tribulations, no matter what you think you're going through, stay firm in what God has promised you. Amen. Stay firm. Moses here, if you know the, story, the backdrop of the story, let, let's, read, let's read from Exodus 4 and then we'll go backwards. So I want to share a little bit about this, what the Lord's been speaking in my heart. He's been speaking to me for about two, three weeks about this. I want to encourage you that you need to stay firm even in the desert. But there seems to be no way out. In the desert, nothing lives. No one lives there. You can't start a farm. You can't grow a lot of things. Some things do grow. But ultimately, the desert is a harsh place. And we're going to talk about a little bit about Moses. Moses, from the minute he was born, he was destined to, be, to greatness. And we're going to touch on that a little bit. And let's go to Exodus 4, please. 18. Whenever you're ready. Don't rush. <laughs> Today, if possible. Before the rapture. Well done. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law. And he said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt. And see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. 19. Now, sorry. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all the things, all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. For I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Well, straight off the bat, I would have asked, Lord, where am I going then? <laughs> you give me all this stuff and he's going to harden his heart. You're hardening his heart. Anyway, it's a, again, we'll keep going. To me, I would have asked for a, you know, a negotiation. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to 
kill him. Then his wife, <laughs> zip-tied, no, Zephora, <laughs> took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are the husband of you, you surely you are the husband of blood to me. So he let him go. Then he, she said, you are husband of blood because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to, no, that's it, that'll do. Let's touch base on this. So God has met Moses. He's spoken to Moses. This is where I want you to go. Set my people go. Who are you, Lord? I am. Asked him five times to you go and Moses rejected five times. I'm not of good speech and where am I going to go and how am I going to do this? And, and finally he says, who are you? He goes, I am who I am. He goes, what's your name? Because Moses knew enough to know that he came out of Egypt and they worshipped false gods, they worshipped biblical gods and they would invoke the name of their gods. So if he could at least get which god this is talking to, who is he talking to, get his name at least... Maybe that might sway me. He goes, I am who I am. The true translation is, I am, I've always, was and always will be. That's who God is. You don't need my name. You just need who I am. I am. I always was and I always will be. And Moses says, no. <laughs> Five times. And finally, he, he decides to go. Tells him to get the rod. This rod, throw it down, turns into a snake. We're going to do miracles with this rod, the rod of God. And now he gets into all this place now, and now he has to go. But it's interesting to know that Moses here goes to his father-in-law. Now, if you don't know the backdrop of this, Moses, when he was a baby, Pharaoh said, um, kill all the firstborn. Pharaoh at the time didn't recognize Joseph and what he did for, for the land. But all he could see was a lot of Hebrew people growing in numbers. He got a bit scared, thinking, man, they're going to get too many of these. They're, they're, they're having babies every three seconds and they're going to take over soon. So let's, let's, let's get rid of them. And he said to all the midwives, every time you see a, you help a, a Hebrew woman give birth, if it's a male, kill it. If it's a female, let it live. But the midwives feared God. Now, history tells us that these midwives weren't Egyptians or Hebrews. So we're not sure who they but they feared God and they wouldn't kill the babies. So when the babies kept getting born, Pharaoh goes, what happened? He says, oh, these Egyptian women, are, and, uh, these Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're strong, they're healthy. They give birth before you even get there. They lied to Pharaoh. And God was pleased with them and the numbers increased. And the more persecution the Pharaoh put on the people, Hebrew slaves, the more they multiplied. So in the midst of persecution, of hardship, of slavery, of 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 being hard taskmasters, they grew. Isn't that a prophetic picture of the church? In the book of Acts, they, they were persecuted, and yet the numbers grew daily. See, sometimes something comes out of hardship that wouldn't come out of blessing. Sometimes that when we go through stuff, God can birth something in us and take us to our destination when we're still comfortable and got everything right. I know we'd like to be comfortable and have all the blessings, but sometimes if you look in the scripture, whenever there's persecution, whenever there's disaster, whenever there's, there's, there's a place where God, he actually pushes you out. He says to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. They never left Jerusalem until persecution came. Then the temple was destroyed. Then they scattered around the world. See, sometimes we, we need to understand what God is doing in the midst of situations and problems. Here they're multiplying. Pharaoh's not happy now. So he says to all the Egyptians, if you get these babies, any male baby under the age of two, throw it in the Nile. Kill it and throw it in the Nile. And Moses is born here, and his mother hid him for three months, but she could not hide him any longer. So she made a basket. You know the Sunday school stories, yeah? Put him in the Nile, pushed him down, remote control, took him to, no. It's actually interesting, if you read it, she made a basket out of reeds, and she waterproofed it. <laughs> Tar, asphalt, yeah, and so it wouldn't leak. What are you laughing for? You want to put the baby in that sink straight away? But then it ends up going uh, to where the Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. And obviously, you know the story, they get the baby and she loves the baby. One thing I didn't realize, and I probably read it and missed it, is that once they got the baby out of the water, they said, do you want us to get a Hebrew nurse to look after the baby? She goes, yes, knowing it's a newborn, it's three months old, needs to be fed. 
So she gave it, guess what? They gave it back to her mother. How good is God? God had that all worked out. And isn't that a spiritual law that whatever gift God gives you, you've got to give it back to him. And he'll bless it and give it back to you. Don't hold on to anything. Nothing is yours. Nothing is yours. Your gifting is not yours. Your anointing is not yours. Your, 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 it's God's. God gives it to you by grace. The only thing you give back to God is character. See, God works on your character because sometimes the anointing can destroy you. Some people destroyed amazing gifts of the Holy Spirit, amazing gifts, but they weren't allowing their character. They thought their character wasn't necessary because God was going to cover them for whatever they wanted to think or do or say. And guess what? They fell away and no longer in the church today because they want to just character. See, that's what the desert does to you. The desert forms you and shapes you to get you to your destiny. The desert is not to kill you. But unfortunately, some people stay in the desert and they never come out. They stay in their problems, they never come out. They stay in the wilderness, they never come out. Why? Because they're broken. They don't understand what God's trying to do. But the Bible talks about when Moses went to the desert, it actually shaped him to take him to back to the palace. See, Moses here, in this story, gets given back to his mother. First two years. Then when he got old enough, she gave him back to, to Pharaoh's daughter, and she raised him. He was taught, educated. Apparently, he spoke five different languages. Every, every, every country that uh, Egypt conquered, they'd learn their language. Educated person, had all the privileges of a prince. He was the adopted prince. He's, the king was his uncle, his grandfather. And now Moses is in the palace, 40 years. And it's interesting to know that the very Nile that was killing all the Hebrew babies, the very Nile that people were seeing their babies die and heartbroken, the very Nile that we would say it was cursed, that very Nile took Moses to his destiny. See, sometimes the very problem that someone else is going through might be not your problem. See, sometimes persecution might come or let's say, let's say a different way. Oh, I lost my job during COVID, but now I've got a business. If it wasn't for COVID, you wouldn't have had that business. Or maybe he forced you out of a job of comfort to give you another job or another path. We don't know. Sometimes tribulation pushes you to the right place where you're meant to be. Because sometimes we get too comfortable. We don't get out of our little comfort zone. We know that the early church grew under persecution. Here, the very Nile that we would say that, that's full of blood, it's cursed, is the very thing that got Moses to his destiny. Because God had a plan, amen? And it's interesting to know that we fast forward to this up here where we just said now, went back to his kid now, now He's at a place now where Moses is in the, in, in the palace and he's living the life of luxury. And I wasn't going there. Could you just go there for me? Um, Exodus. No, don't worry. I'll, I'll just tell the story. So Moses one day is walking down the street and he starts to see his people. Now, whether he knew they were his people, whether inside him, deep inside him, he knew they were their people. Either way, Moses always had that, that deliverer inside him. He was a rescuer. He was a man that wanted to rescue. Because the minute he saw a slave master hitting, uh, bashing a, a Hebrew slave, he got angry and he killed him. And then he buried the body to cover it up. Now he was a prince. He could have stopped that without killing him. He could have ordered him to stop. But there was something inside. He was a deliverer, but he also had a problem. He had a lot of anger. I can relate to that. Where injustice happens and, and unrighteousness happens and things happen to your loved ones and you want to defend them but then the flesh gets in the way and then you start using natural means to solve a problem that God wants you to solve in the spirit. Moses had that problem. Killed him. Not only killed him, hit him, buried him so no one would know. The next day he comes out, there's two Hebrews punching on. He says, hey brothers, what are you punching on to each other? What are you hitting each other? Says, Who made you prince and judge? Were you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? He realized, busted. I got caught out. How did they know? Then Pharaoh found out. So they sent the guards to find Moses to kill him. So what does Moses do? He does a runner <laughs> into the desert. And this Moses now, who went from being a prince with all the luxuries and all the power and authority to running for his life in a desert. And he ends up in a place called Midian. And Midian, there's a priest there, and he had seven daughters. And, and the seven daughters were, feed, the, were taking the flock out, the sheep, 
to give them water, but these other shepherds told them to go away and they weren't allowed. So Moses defended them. And, and then obviously they gave water to their sheep and they went home and they told their dad, this Egyptian helped us. He said, where is he? Bring him. Finally, they bring Moses. Moses ends up staying with them. He takes one of their daughters as a wife and becomes a shepherd. He's gone from the palace <laughs> to the desert as a shepherd. You've got to understand something. He would have learnt the Egyptian stories and Egyptian mythical gods that they worshipped and the traditions of... Did you know that shepherds were an abomination to Egyptians? Sheep and shepherds were an abomination to Egyptians. And yet, he would have learnt that. And now, the very thing that he was taught to, 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 to hate and to think that's an abomination and it's cursed, he's now looking after. Isn't it interesting that if God needed to use Moses to shepherd people out of Egypt or out of slavery to become a shepherd or a leader, but he needed to purge Moses of things that they were put in him that don't belong there. The very thing that sheep are an abomination to Egyptians. Read it, Joseph. Remember Joseph's brothers came? He said, look, if the king asks you who, what you do, just tell him you look after livestock. Because if he said we were shepherds, they wouldn't eat with them. And yet Moses now is looking after sheep. And he's probably thinking, these things are an abomination. These things are disgusting. These things. But God had to purge what was in him to get the right man to go and do the job. See, maybe you're called. The Bible says he's called many, but only few were chosen. Maybe God's giving you a promise in your life. Maybe God's giving you some way, oh, you're going to do this for God. You're going to do that for God. You're going to start a business for God. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. Whatever God's called you to do, but if he doesn't purge you of you and the things that are not of him, he can never fulfill your destiny. Imagine him thinking that shepherds are disgust, uh, sheep are disgusting. And now he would have hated every person there because they, they, they tried to kill Moses eventually. Hey, Jesus, God had a plan for Moses in that desert. See, there is no one story here in the Bible. Abraham got called to the desert. Um, Moses got called to the desert. Jesus got pulled by the Spirit for 40 days in the desert. Paul, who's the greatest apostle we have, we read, read his books every day, got taken to the backside of the Arabian desert in the desert. He didn't get his revelation sitting here talking to us. He got his revelation by himself in prison in a two-year trip on a boat. This is where the desert, this is where we don't like in the Western world. We don't like desert experiences. We don't like to be things taken off us. We don't like to be put in a corner and say, you know what? I want to do something for God. Start praying. Ah, oh, it's boring. I'll just do something else. Not going to achieve. We're not going to achieve what God wants us on this earth if we don't go through that desert experience. Now, I've been through many desert experiences. I've learned enough to know that whatever God's put me through, I give thanks in all things. I heard this statement the other day because people say, I'm going through this trouble, I'm going through this trial, I'm going through this sickness, I'm going through this breakup. And the Bible says, give thanks for it. I said, no, it doesn't. Give thanks in all things. If the devil's attacking your body, you're not giving thanks for that, especially to him. But in the tribulation, I give thanks in all things. Because when I'm going through a hard time, if you haven't got a heart of gratitude, you'll never get out of that tribulation. Because your heart becomes bitter, you lose your faith, you get discouraged and there's no more hope. What's the devil trying to do? Rob hope in your life. See, the hope is in the name of Jesus. See, if you can lose that passion for him and that hope that, you know what? Why should Jesus heal you if you're sick? Because he went to the cross and by his stripes, I am healed. Simple as that. Why should God set me out of bondage? Well, the Bible says he became a curse on the tree and anyone who becomes a curse is cursed. And Jesus took my curse so I can become blessed. That's why. But if you can rob hope, hope isn't, I hope today it doesn't rain. I hope I win the lotto. There's a lady that said to her husband, I've been hoping and praying to win the lotto for 20 years. He says, but you never play. You never put it in a card. <laughs> and that's how some people's faith is. Oh, I'm going to win the lotto today. Did you put the ticket in? No. That's gambling. I don't do that. Now, hope isn't a wishy-washy hope. When the Bible says the hope that we're talking about is that the confidence and the assurance that God will do and say what, he's gonna, what His Word says. 
In other words, Jesus accomplished everything at the cross. So at the cross, my healing is at the cross. He purchased it 2,000 years ago. My deliverance is at the cross. My prosperity is at the cross. My, my wholeness is at the cross. He purchased it and he placed it on the cross. And when he rose again, he gave any man to be born of his spirit. So when I thank him for things that hasn't already happened, what am I saying is I thank you, Lord, because I'm not asking for it now. I've received it in heaven. I just need to come into alignment with it. This is the battle of faith. Don't lose hope. The hope is in the name of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. So don't give credit to the devil. Don't give, magnify the devil. See, sometimes, like I said, you don't know if the devil's attacking you or God's chasing you, disciplining you. Sometimes it feels the same. Where are you, Lord? We can give thanks in all things. Because, you know, the more I give thanks, the more heart is towards him, the more God will give me a way out. If it's the devil, he's gone. And if it's God, make it quick, Lord. Teach me what I'm supposed to learn quickly. I learned this prayer. Lord, whatever you do, do it quickly. Because <laughs> it hurts. Well, God doesn't do things like that. Yeah? Keep reading the Bible, man. Because God is not going to send you and feed you to the wolves. Moses here now is, is now. But can we go back up to that scripture where it's um, Exodus 4, uh, 22, I think it is. He says, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Someone asked me a question many years ago, I think from here, and I think I gave him the wrong answer back then. Because <laughs> why would God kill people, firstborn? Because when we have an interpretation of that, we think when God says the angel death would come over, we spoke about this a while back, about the Passover, when the Jews celebrate the Passover, it's about the angel death passing over. And when they see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, he passed over and they were all saved. Yeah, And all the firstborn Egyptians, male and beast, would, would die. We have this interpretation because when you watch the movies, all these little babies dying. But no, the firstborn was anyone who was firstborn. You could have been a 70-year-old man and the firstborn, you would die. And someone said, isn't that cruel? God would send you know, an angel of death. Because the Bible says God sends it, not the devil. Amen, brother, whoever that is. And I said, firstborn, and he's screaming out there. Old Testament, we're under the blood now. Anyway. So, the firstborn, so it's cruel. And I said to him, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh's heart was hard. And I said all these questions. But when you understand what happened here, here he says that Israel's my firstborn. Yeah? Who's ever heard of sowing and reaping? Whatever a man sows, he will reap. The Bible says he won't be mocked. There's a reciprocal uh, fundamental law that God placed on this earth. Yeah? You can be a Christian, spirit-filled, born again, I pray in tongues and do everything. But if you start sowing evil in life, you'll reap the harvest of that. True or not? God doesn't cover sin. He forgives it. He takes it away. But if I want to sow it, even as a believer. Here, he says, these are my firstborn. In other words, Israel is known as the apple of his eye. It's known as his bride in the Old Testament. But here he says, Israel, the people, um, the Jewish people, Israel is my firstborn. It's a figure of speech. And what was Pharaoh doing? He was killing all the firstborn Pharaoh. Not this Pharaoh now. By this time, that Pharaoh had died. Remember, he says the ones that want to kill you are, are dead now. So this is the, the son of Pharaoh. So he goes, now let my people go. He was giving Pharaoh, listen, the, son, the sins of your father are going to come back to haunt you now. So let my people go, my firstborn, my son, so he can serve me and we'll be sweet. Me and you, we're sweet, bro. Hey, take it easy. Me and you, nothing again. But he knew that Pharaoh's heart was hard. He goes, I'll harden it even more. Plague after plague, miracle after miracle. And the last thing was the firstborn. It wasn't that God is evil. It wasn't that God, but the Bible says that angels reap. Do we not? The Bible says that angels reap a harvest. In, in Revelations in the last day, the angel will come and reap the harvest of God. When Moses eventually dies, Lucifer, the angel of death, and Michael Gabriel, the angel, were fighting over his body. So angels come and reap. Here, the angel of death is coming to reap. All right, Mr. Pharaoh, what have you sowed? What has your father sowed? Oh, dead blood, firstborn. Okay, I'm coming to get the harvest now. You've taken 
their firstborn, I'm coming to take your firstborn. That's why he says he calls them their firstborn. Does that make a picture? Does that, do you understand that? Wasn't that God is evil? God is saying, whatever you sow on this earth, you will reap. That's why Jesus had to be sown on the earth. He had to come as a man and die. And if they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't have killed him. Why? Because the prince of this world, if they knew, guess what? Because Jesus, when he died, guess what he did? He didn't die. No one takes my life. I lay it down freely. Jesus had to die so he could be multiplied. Jesus was crucified that he could be multiplied. See, he didn't just come to redeem us. And Let's just put it this way. He came as Adam with the fullness of God. So he didn't come to redeem what Adam did, because Adam's one man. He came to redeem all of us, the church, which means on the day of Pentecost, guess what happened? He, he came and the Holy Spirit fell on how many men? 120. So 120 Adams were redeemed. And then Peter got up and preached, and how many people came to the Lord that day? 3,000. 3,000 Adams got redeemed. And then what happened after that? They went out and preached the gospel and people were getting redeemed. Why? Because the Son of Man was laid down on the earth and he was sowed into the earth. And what came out, what was the harvest? The Holy Ghost. The blood saved us, changed our identity, brought us back into where? See, Adam lost the garden, but Jesus gained the whole world. Adam, not going back to the garden to sit under a tree naked. We're going back into the presence of the Father. I often say, Adam didn't know right from wrong or good or evil. He just knew God. And God wants us to know him. That's why he's the ability to live in us. He always wanted to live in us. That was his purpose. The Bible says, I don't, make, I don't dwell in man-made temples. I live in who? Our hearts. And Moses here, now, he's telling Pharaoh, he used to be up there, uh, firstborn. But it's interesting here in verse 24, God calls Moses, pulls him out. So, yep, thank you. God calls Moses. He's now, uh, uh, he was raised in Pharaoh, in the castle, with all the luxuries of a palace. 40 years. Then now he's in the backside of the desert for 40 years. Now God says, now I want you to go and get him. This is what I want you to do. He gives him instructions. Here he says, let my firstborn go. But then he's on his way. So God calls him and asks him five times. Imagine arguing with God five times. You think you strike him dead after the first time? No. The burning bush should have burnt him. But he kept persisting. There was a tenacity about Moses. Five times. Five is the number of grace. Anyway, just, just on a side note. He comes now. He says he comes into this encampment. The Bible, other translations say he came to an inn to rest. And look at this. And that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. The Lord asked Moses to come and free my people from Egypt. He wants Moses, who used to live in the most powerful empire in the world, now they're trying to kill him. Now he says, go back there and release millions of people from the greatest empire in the world that conquered the world. They were the superpower of that world. And he finally agrees, takes his wife and his kids, and now God's trying to kill Moses. That's what I said. How's that work? The next verse. And his wife, why couldn't they name him easy names, you know? Who? Zip tie. Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it in at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband, the blood to me. And then her their son here, if you understand the Jewish context here. Oh, pray that I get this right. If it's not, you wouldn't know. Okay. I'm joking. Okay, Google. That guy's a liar. Who, what's the score, Joe? Thanks, mate. <laughs> this is before the law. When Moses gets the law later, the Ten Commandments and then all the, the Mosaic law, everyone's male child had to be circumcised on the eighth day. But this is before the law. But God had made a promise to Abraham that all your firstborn needs to be circumcised. Listen to this. We just talked about the firstborn dying in Egypt. Now Moses is going with his family into Egypt. Moses is already outside of the will of God in this situation because his son was not even circumcised. He, God sought to kill him. Now some translators say there, there was a death of, upon Moses. Some scholars, Jewish scholars, says something came upon Moses because his wife knew something was going on. Either way, we don't know. But God sought to kill Moses. And the minute she 
cuts the foreskin off her son. Sorry, girls. Cut the foreskin off her son. She throws it and says, you're the husband of my blood. You know what? If Moses tried to enter into the promised land and do all these miracles and his son wasn't circumcised, it means his son was breaking the law of God. Or in the sense, his son was, 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 was not even keeping complying with what God said to Abraham. And blood had to be shed. Otherwise, his son's blood would be shed. He said, I want to kill you, Moses. You're out of order. He wasn't trying to kill him physically. He was, but he wasn't. What he's trying to do? He's trying to kill Moses in the flesh. So when Moses goes before Pharaoh, it's not him going before Pharaoh. It's God going before Pharaoh. See, what's, 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 the, what's that symbolic of? Excess flesh. Cut off the flesh. What does the Bible say? Crucify your flesh, your natural man. Blood, you're the husband of my blood, speaks of Jesus. Who is our husbandman? Who's coming to redeem us? Who came to redeem us? Did he come in the flesh? Yeah. He was crucified in the flesh? Yeah, but his blood was eternal. Guess what? He redeemed us from the curse of the law on the cross. Prophetic picture here. He says, you can't enter in the flesh, Moses. Don't think everything you're doing is you. It has to be me. The minute Moses thought it was about him, guess what happened? Every time Moses thought it was about him, guess what he did? He got himself into trouble. Who knows when he struck the rock? And he says, speak to the rock. First time he struck the rock, what happened? Water came out. They were whinging, complaining about water, weren't they? We've taught on this. But just a recap. Second time, they, they whinge and complain. He goes, should I have to always bring you water? You bunch of whinges. This is my translation. <laughs> you sooks, you just complain. God sent manna from heaven and, and, and God sent quails and, and we gave you water and we've protected you by the cloud and we had fire at night and cloud by day. Your clothes didn't wear out. You bunch of murmuring, whinging, complaining. There must have been the Lebanese section. No one else, all right? And, 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 then, and then he says, then he says, and do I have to bring you water? And he speaks to the rock and nothing comes out of the rock. And he gets angry and guess what? He hits the rock, then water comes out. It cost him going into the promised land. The first rock, he says, hit it, speaks of Jesus is our rock who would be crucified. The second time you speak to Jesus, you can never crucify Christ twice. Paul says he gets crucified once. Now we don't have to strike Jesus and beg Jesus and whip Jesus and put him back on the cross to get something. You know what we do? We speak by faith. And we receive it by faith now. We are saved by faith and not by works. Should any man boast? There's no one in heaven boasting. They made it because they did something for God. We're all there by his grace and mercy. Amen. We receive it by faith. The first rock represents Jesus being struck. The second time he says, speak to it. He was showing you a picture of a further cross. One day Jesus will be crucified. But after he rises from the dead, you never crucify Jesus again. You cannot crucify the Son of Man again. You can't. There is no more sacrifice. You know what you do? You speak by faith. And Moses' anger, when it came about him, guess what? It cost him the promised land. The desert is not to kill you. The desert is to shape you and mold you into the person you're meant to be. Well, I have a relationship, and I broke up with a relationship, or another relationship, broke up with another relationship. Maybe go into the desert for a while. And even if you hate yourself for a while, it's probably a good place to learn to be alone so God can give you the right person so you don't kill him. <laughs> or kill her. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking up here now. I'm not talking about anyone. <laughs> oh, I started a business. I went broke. I started a business. I went broke. Maybe you should learn to work for someone for a while and learn to be a servant and learn to be take take uh, take some uh, some orders and purge yourself so you stop being the big head. And then maybe one day you can run your own business. Come on, somebody. True or not? Maybe. If anyone was qualified to do anything, who knew the palace back the front? Moses, he didn't have to go up the front gate. He could have went around the side. He, he probably had some friends. They probably had some friends that hated Pharaoh. He probably had some people there. You know, he was a good bloke. Yeah. No, no, no. He says, go to the front and face it man to man, face to face. But he couldn't do any of that until he went to the desert to hear God's voice and to be guided by God. Look at this. First Thessalonians 5.16. What time is it? Thank you. Rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Sometimes. Sometimes. When I feel like it. When I'm blessed. When power wins. And then it says, does it say, it says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
What's the first thing happens when you go through a dark time? You stop rejoicing. Woe me, Lord, where are you? Oh my God, what's happening? Where's God? Do you pray? No, I can't pray. I don't feel like it. All right, next one. In everything, not for everything, in everything. Because the quickest way, even if it's the devil hammering you, and even if it's the enemy oppressing you, and even people are coming against you, rejoice. You know why? Because that allows the Holy Spirit and His angels to work. They don't work in negativity. They don't work in emotion. They don't feel sorry for you. They want faith. Because when He robs your faith, you stop praying. Guess what? There's no more faith. You go, what's wrong with me? You should see what they've done to me. Stay in faith. Why? Rejoice. Because no matter the time, whatever, you know, when you go through something, you think you never can get out of it, and then you find out, man, I don't know how I got through that. Who's been there? Who's been through some of the dark times, and you think, I'm still alive. I thought I was going to die in that place, but I'm here today. You know why? Because you kept walking. You know the greatest supernatural thing you can do as a Christian? The greatest, keep walking. You know, there's no supernatural. I always say this to a lot of the young guys that, you know, I talk to, mentor. Okay, what's the secret? I said, keep walking. Even when you don't feel like it, keep walking. Even if you don't feel like coming on a Wednesday night, just come. If you don't feel like coming on a Sunday, just come. If you don't feel like, you know, I promised God I was going to pray, go back to prayer. Doesn't matter. It's boring. I don't know what's going on. I'm tired. Doesn't matter. Just keep walking. Keep walking. The mundane, the everyday, the every little thing, every little step. Why? Because God, imagine the disciples, they would read a book about Jesus healed the sick, Jesus walked on water. But guess what they were doing? Imagine the conversations just walking. Not everything was written that Jesus did. The Bible says that if there were, there's not a book big enough to write what Jesus did, but they walked. How did Jericho come down? Walking. This is dumb. Imagine I couldn't, have, I would have wrecked that whole Jericho thing. Don't say a word for seven days. I can't stay quiet for one minute. They would have to put a muzzle on me, tape me up and go, walk around seven days. I'm tired, man. The everyday. Sometimes you don't feel like being a mum or a dad, or I don't feel like going to work tomorrow, or I feel like we don't know what. But if we keep doing it and rejoice, why? Because God's building a character and perseverance in our hearts. Let's keep reading this. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Romans, Romans five sixteen. The kids are coming in shortly. And I said rejoice. They'll be rejoicing they come in, they don't care. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop. We have been justified by whose faith? Our faith. We put faith in Christ that on the finished work of the cross, I am justified, just as if I have never sinned. That's why I have peace. If you don't know what I did and thought yesterday. I am justified by faith, just as if I have never sinned. And the minute you start to believe that, then sin will fall off you. I start walking as he walks. I, therefore, I have been justified by faith. We have peace. How do we have peace? With God, through our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Next verse. Through him also we have access by faith into grace in which we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have, by faith, grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And it's also the empowering of God to get you over things. So do not abort your walk because you're going through some stuff. Or you're, you, you've, you've messed up here. Or you feel like you're in a wilderness and you, you can't hear God anymore. Listen, stay in hope. Stay in, because Jesus says that we will have, by faith, grace. Unmerited favor. The, 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 the unmerited favor of God. I don't deserve it, but he gives it to me to get over every situation and circumstance. It's because he's going to get me through. Paul, I've got a thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient. In which we stand and rejoice. Here we go. We started off with rejoice and we keep rejoicing in hope. Hope is the confidence and the assurance that God will do what he says he's going to do. He just needs your faith. And then we have the glory of the Lord. And... Now, this is what's going to happen. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Well, that must be a misprint. 
we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance produces what? Character. And character? Hope. When you're going through hard wilderness, desert times, it's ugly. It's the worst. But if you don't let the process go through, you'll never reach the destination you're meant to be. You'll never become the person that God wants you to be. You go to heaven and you'll be loved by the Father, but you'll never be who you're meant to be. You'll take second, third, and fourth best because you don't let the process work. If Moses had aborted anything, I'm not touching sheep. Get the, I'm the prince. I'm heavy duty. He had, no, no. He humbled. That's where he learned humility. The Bible says other than Jesus, the most meekest man on the earth was Moses because he went through that process of the desert. What is God trying to show me in my darkest times? Because we want the magic wand fix. God doesn't give you magic wand fix. He pours his love and mercy supernaturally here. Yeah. He says, now, if you're truly mine, stay in the process. Let me go through the desert. Let me cut off the flesh. Let me, let me, you know, the, he had a rod, a timber rod. Throw it down, become a snake. Take it up. Remember the story? He used the rod, lift it up, sea parts. What's that rod represent, that timber represent? The cross. That rod had no power. It was a timber off a tree. The cross that Jesus was crucified on has no power. It's not the altar. It's what you put on the altar. So we have this, I need to grab this. I need to have that. That's anointed. No, 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 no. The power is in the sacrifice on the cross. See, that timber cross was a curse. In the early church, they wouldn't wear crosses on their shoulder, on their necks, because a that was like saying he was executed. Murderers hung on crosses and thieves hung on crosses. And it's like saying, you know, it's, the, it's the equivalent to us, someone who gets hanged. We don't walk around now with a noose around our neck. Because, no, that was how disgusting it was to us. That's what the cross looked to them. But it's the power of the cross, what Jesus hang on, that gives us the power. That rod represents the cross. And he said everything by faith. What did we just read about? Faith. And God wants to form that in you. You know, I often say, what I know today, I didn't know yesterday. I used to say, oh, what I know today, I didn't know five years ago. But you know what? Every day is a new day. I'm learning things today that I didn't know a week ago. Because when you think you've made it and you've got it all worked out and you've got all the revelation you need, that's a dangerous place to be. I love Dave Robeson used to say, when people used to say to him, I'll never be deceived past the day. He goes, well, you already are. I'll never fall. <laughs> You're just about to. Because when you say it's me, then it's your, in your strength. But when I say, thank you, Father, for not allowing me to fall. Thank you, Father, that I won't be deceived. For by your stripes I am healed. Father, that the Holy Spirit is the truth and the spirit of truth, that he'll guide me into all truth. Do you see the difference here? When it's about you. See, the desert purges you of the greatest enemy in your life. You. The greatest enemy in your life isn't Lucifer. It's you. It's me. It's not the principalities and powers. It's you. It's me. It's not the demons of dark places or wicked spirits. It's you and me. When I say you, I'm not blaming you. Me. The darkest, most de demonic spirit you will ever face is you. Self. Because that's the one that needs to die. Because once that's dead, the devil's got nothing on you. He's been defeated. Everyone thinks that the devil's in a war with God. There's a battle in the head. No, yeah. There is no war with God. You can't compete to someone who's greater. The devil tried to start a war and he flicked him out of heaven. He's trying to get us. And he's already won the victory. He goes, you know what? He's after you, but I've stood in the gap now. And God strengthens you and empowers you to get over. And no matter what the enemy sends your way, no matter how dark the dungeon is, no matter where it is, rejoice. Because when you keep a heart of thanksgiving and rejoice, God can get you out of that place. I guarantee you, I've been there. And we're going through there. God will get you through. Amen? Hallelujah. And in closing, what the devil meant for evil, God will turn for good. We don't know what God's doing. 
behind the scenes. It's a mystery. True? This world's going to hell. True? Have a look. A man can have a baby now. It's, I better stop talking because I'm going to say something. But that's where we're at now. Who would ever thought we'd get to this place? But God will turn it for good. Because God's spirit is going to flow through this earth. But he's waiting for you and me to get ready. And you might, be in a, you might be going into the desert. You might be in the middle of the desert. You might be coming out of the desert. Because trust me, there's another desert around the corner. Either way, God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Cut off that flesh. Start put your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I was going to close, I don't know. I'll close. I want to leave you with this. It's been bugging me all day. I want to encourage you. I hear it all the time. I don't have time to read. I don't have the time to come. I don't have time to pray. Or they say, I don't understand what I read. Or We've all been there. But can I ask you, this is the most simplest advice I can give you. Keep walking. Open that up. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you through every situation and circumstance. Don't go to the Bible and rub it three times and make three wishes. That's the church today. I prayed, I gave, and nothing happened. That's right. <laughs> but we all like that when we start. Because, you know, in the beginning, I prayed, everything came to pass. Well, wow, this is easy. We prayed for a car park, in the car, and we got one. Yeah, praise God. But can I say, don't despise small beginnings. Those little car park where my kids used to pray and we get a car spot, builds faith. But God wants us to move from getting a car spot to raising the dead. It's the same faith. It's the same atonement. It's the same Jesus on the cross. Healing and salvation, no one's greater than the other. Salvation is great because we need to get people saved. But guess what? It's the same atonement on the cross. There wasn't a different atonement for healing as there is for salvation. It's the same Jesus, the same Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And the Holy Spirit said, I want to feed you. I want to give you more. I want to give you more. I want to give you more. Kill the flesh. The flesh has to die. The flesh has to die. My opinion has to die. Everything about what I think has to die. Why? So he can live. The Son of Man was crucified so he could be multiplied. Can we stand? And for those, I want to encourage those who are going through a dark spot, dark time, wilderness experience, think you can't make it, Moses would never have got to his destination if it wasn't for his mother, it wasn't for his sister, it wasn't for Pharaoh's daughter, it wasn't for the midwives that didn't kill him. All unnamed people, no one knows their names. Their sister gets named later on when they cross the Red Sea. But you know, we don't know their names. We don't know the mother's name. We don't know the sister's name eventually we knew, but we don't know the midwives' names. We don't know Pharaoh's daughter's names. We don't know the midwives' names. Then we don't know... Many people that in, in his world got him to his destination because maybe you're the unknown person for someone else. Maybe you need to be that hand that holds someone through a dark time. Can I give you the word of advice? When someone's going through a trauma, don't try and give them all the answers because you don't have them. Trust me, you don't. Don't try and fix their problem. Don't try and be their God. Lead them to God who has all the answers, who can fix all the problems, and he can give them all the right advice, not you. We can walk in wisdom with them. Don't get me wrong. And maybe that desert experience you're going through, because God's shaping you and molding you. And maybe in the desert, you need to die to some things like, that's an abomination. Sheep are an abomination. No, no. He was trying to show him two things. Sheep are an abomination. You're a shepherd to my sheep. And the one day that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who's not an abomination, who became one on the cross for you and me to be set free. All pictures to the cross. All points to the cross. Moses is the most revered guy in the Old Testament. Other than Abraham and maybe Joseph, but he's the one they speak to about the most. Why? And he's even mentioned in the New Testament. Why? God used a man of character, a man with all his faults. See, God's not ashamed to walk with you even in your faults. He's not ashamed to walk with you. That's why he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You could have said Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Jacob means deceiver. 
say, no, no, I'm, I'm happy to be associated with your faults. Because when you know what your faults are, guess what? While you are weak, I am strong. While it's not about you, and it's about me. While you die to yourself, I can live. While you're in the desert dying, I can take you out. Come on, somebody. I'm not here to push you down. I'm here to encourage you. Because if I don't tell you truth, you're going to walk out here. Tony said this. Tony, oh, yeah, I'm going to walk outside. And I'm going to buy a brand new Mercedes. And I'm going to get a new job. And I'm going to marry a man with five husbands. And we're going to have a pool and a car. And, that. and you might get that. And invite me over for a party. I'd love to come and swim. But, but ultimately, I've got to tell you truth. The truth is that this world is going to hell. And if you are trusting in the world, you're going with it. Let's be honest. We're in this world. But we're not of this world. Young people, God's going to start pouring His Spirit in you guys. You're going to see and understand things that took us 20 years to understand. You're going to hear it in the flash. Why? He's going to quicken the time. God's interested in someone who's willing to die to self. You know, Lord, no matter what I've done, I'm going to, whatever you want me to do, Father, I'll do. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to brace myself. You know, he says to Moses, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. You know, that was, a, that was a Semitic idea that, you know, you can't come to an altar, take your shoes off. Your shoes are dirtier than, than the sandals. But when you're ready for a fight, you know, the, the old Roman soldiers, what they used to do? Walk up to the battlefield, take their sandals off, and they get their toes would grip. Otherwise, the sandals would... They weren't wearing Nikes, man, and work boots. They were in, They take their sandals off and grip, ready for a fight. You know what he says? Stand firm. Take those sandals off. Take off the things of the world. Put your feet on, because it's holy ground. You know what? He's going to fight the fight for you. You just have to stay firm. That's what they used to do. They used to take their sandals off and then go for a fight. So God wants you to stand firm. What does it say? Stay steadfast. Stand firm in the knowledge of Him. No matter what situation you're in, listen to me, please. Listen to me. Don't try and fix it yourself. Don't try and sway off the mark. You know, most people you talk to are going through something. They know what's right and what God's doing. They just don't want to make it. Listen to me. Go through the process. Because the quicker you surrender, the quicker you get out. I often tell this story. When someone's drowning at the beach and the lifeguard goes there, while you're kicking and screaming and help and screaming and shouting and panicking and trying to stay afloat, he sits back and waits for you. Until you start surrendering and start drowning because you've got no more energy to kick and scream, once you start to drop in the water and drown, that's when he comes and gets you. Why? Because he doesn't want to drown with you, kicking him and screaming and panicking and carrying on. I can't save you like that. But the minute they stop kicking and screaming, they have no more breath, they think they're going to die, the lifeguard gets them and he brings them in. And some of you guys are kicking and screaming and some of you guys are trying to save yourself and some, some of you guys that know what's right but you still think, oh no, I can't do this, I can't do that and you can't let go of the past and every time you seem to go one step forward, someone drags you back, it's time to let that go tonight. Imagine if Moses kicked and screamed. They wouldn't have got out of Egypt, they would have died in there and Jesus wouldn't have come. We don't know. You don't know from your lineage, from your loins, from who you're going to meet tomorrow is going to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. I don't know what, if you're going to do something amazing for the kingdom, because you know, every single one of you have a purpose and plan in the kingdom. Every single one of you. And you may never get up here and preach. You may never be on TV. You may never sing a song. You may never, but you maybe do what God's called you to do, to be a faithful. You know what the Bible says? When they go into heaven, and the rewards, the rewards aren't for the gifted, the best speakers, people who gave the most, the anointed ones. The award in heaven says, well done, good and faithful servant. Not the anointed one, because it's his anointing. Not the gifting, it's his gifting. It's one who are willing to serve him no matter the cost. Well done, good and faithful servant. If you don't know Jesus tonight, or you're in that place of the wilderness, and you don't know what your next step is, Jesus is here for you tonight. He's here for you tonight. He's here for you tomorrow morning. He's here for you in the afternoon. He's here 24-7. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
I'll never leave you as an orphan. He sent us the great Holy Spirit to be with us 24 hours, seven days a week. But He wants us to understand Him. See, when I get to know Him, see, faith towards God is to know God. Sometimes we think faith towards God is to get something from God. We can only receive from God through faith, but faith isn't given to you just to get stuff off Him. That's like, mate, that's, that's using somebody. But faith towards God is to get to know God. He wants to be known by you. He wants to he make Himself known to you. How much special is that? Just to sit and get to know Him. The Almighty God who created heaven and earth wants to be known by you. He says, if you had known me, says, Moses spoke about me. But if you had known Moses, you'd know me. They didn't know Moses. They thought they did. And they didn't know Jesus. He says, but the Holy Spirit will come and make all things from me known to you. It's an intimate relationship. Knowing to know someone is, when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. He's saying, depart from me, I've never had an intimate relationship with you. So Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And no matter what they've been through, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're about to go through, let's rejoice, amen? The victory is ours, amen? And if you don't know that victory, if you don't know that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, and you don't know that He came and suffered death and buried and rose again to give you new life, today is the day of your salvation. Don't harden your heart, because God is knocking on the door of your heart. He wants you to come in. Unless you're born of His Spirit, you cannot know Him. You can know about Him, but you will not know Him. So Father, I thank You tonight for those who do not know You. Let the blood of Jesus come upon them. Let, 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 let the Holy Spirit convict them. You know, the first thing the Bible says, repent of your sin. To those who believe in their heart and confess from their mouth that Jesus is the Lord, they shall be saved. Repent means to change your mind. You can be sorry and still go to hell. But when you repent, you change your mind. So I don't trust in my sin anymore. I don't trust in the things I do. I trust in Jesus now. The Bible says it's by the finished work of the cross. Paul said, I know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're getting to desperate stages now. Because Jesus is coming, people. Jesus is coming. The hour and the day I do not know, but He's coming. He says, occupy till I come. You know, it's up to you and me. The world is going to hell because we haven't risen up and shared the light of the gospel. Come on. We've shared a form of Christianity, but we need to share the gospel of truth. And then signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the gospel. So I thank you, Father. The floor is open. Lord, I close this meeting by praying for my brothers and sisters here tonight that you do not lose one of them. They come to you. Let them learn from you. Let them drink from a well that never runs dry. Jesus is Lord over your heart. I pray a blessing over the families here and the families at home. Lord, that you bring in your people. I thank you, Father, for those who hear the sound of my voice, will hear the spirit of grace touch their hearts. Don't give up, says the Lord. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on me. thank you for this I pray that you understand the grace and mercy of God he's not out to hurt you he's out to heal you and deliver you I give you all the glory Father in Jesus mighty name Amen Amen <laughs> Praise God thank you for the, the floors open if you need prayer if not, we're back here on Wednesday. Love you guys. Stay true, eh? Amen.